Welcome to Venture Boldly, an Alter podcast. Each week, we host inspiring conversations with game-changing entrepreneurs, investors, and operators, building and scaling the tech ecosystems of Latin America, South and Southeast Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. At Alter Global, we are a different kind of Silicon Valley venture capital firm. Beyond returns, we are guided by a belief in the power of tech unicorns rather than traditional foreign aid to completely transform nations. Our founders are role models in the making, catalyzing the next wave of ventures in their communities. Our entrepreneurs are not just building their companies, they're building their countries. Vietnam has become one of the fastest growing countries in Southeast Asia with a booming digital economy. It's the birthplace of four unicorns and also of Valerie Van. Valerie moved to the U.S. for her university degree, becoming a first-generation college graduate, where she excelled in school and later excelled as a consultant at Deloitte. Raised by an entrepreneurial family, Valerie was always fascinated by breakthrough technology and product innovation, getting involved in both the tech communities of both the U.S. and of Vietnam. In 2019, she made the bold choice to move back to her home to join the digital transformation happening there as Vietnam Head of Investment for Ventura Capital, an early stage fund in Southeast Asia with investments in companies like Grab, Fave, and Luno. Valerie loves traveling, knows five languages, and every time we speak, I'm blown away by her passion and spirit of adventure. Valerie and I are catching up to talk about her transition into VC, why global investors should look to Vietnam, her ideas on how to continue catalyzing the startup ecosystem there, and what she likes to look for as an investor. My name is Ani Caballero, and this is Venture Boldly. So why don't we start with what was your introduction to venture capital and your initial attraction to it? Right. Just a quick introduction. I'm Valerie from Ventura Capital, and I been involved with venture capital for the last two years, but I really have the passion for, you know, startup and venture capital way before that. When in 2016, I joined Deloitte as my first company. I really liked going to networking events and building up my leadership skills. So I was going through like different leadership events and talking to a lot of startups in Philadelphia. That's where my first job was based in. So talking to a lot of startups in Philadelphia, talking to the incubator in from University of Pennsylvania. And we're just really excited about, you know, what new technology is coming out from this incubator. And so I started, you know, being more, more and more curious about innovative technology and startups. So every time I go back to Vietnam in the summer, I also, you know, start talking to local accelerators to see, you know, what's going on in startup scene in Vietnam. I was trying to like volunteer during those like short trip visit to Vietnam in the summer. And through that journey, learning about startups, about new business venture, I come across the term venture capital. Even though at Deloitte, I was also doing work related to investment, but I did not really know the term venture capital until I start looking and learning more about startups. And just from, I think from those events, 
I just got really attracted to you know venture capital being the career that you know has a really sh- uh, important role in the startup ecosystem, really important role in fueling the innovation that is happening across the globe, and that's why I decided to you know switch my career entirely from Deloitte to venture capital and also moving back to my home country Vietnam to take part and participate and build up the startup ecosystem in Vietnam. So far, that's how I got attracted to it. Amazing. And I'm curious to know what made you, we were talking a little bit about it right before the show. What was that moment when you decided that you were going to make the switch from the career that you were building in the U.S. because it was, you know, quote unquote, a, a more stable market, more secure. What made you decide to go back to Vietnam and put your energy and your efforts there? Yeah, I had this constant like frustration that, you know, Vietnam being an amazing country because, you know, Vietnamese are so hardworking and so talented. We have one of the highest like number of engineering and talents in the world. Uh, we are so hardworking. And I think Vietnamese people are just like really talented in general. So, so creative as well. But if you're looking at, you know, the number of funding of investment going to Vietnamese startups, we are so, so behind all the country in the region in Southeast Asia. So everyone is uh, talking about Indonesia, everyone's talking about Singapore, but Vietnam is not even in the picture. So I was frustrated that we, at that time, we only had one unicorn comparing to other countries like Indonesia at that time had eight unicorns. So I want to change fact and that gap, but I was still, you know, did not have the courage to actually move back yet. I was just, you know, making frequent trip, visiting home and volunteering in the local ecosystem. I think that the moment that I really make up my mind that, okay, uh, let's move back to Vietnam and let's join, let's switch career to what I really love and passionate about, like switch my career to venture capital, was the trip in December 2018, going to New Year's of 2019. I was traveling to Medellin, Colombia by myself. And I just love the story on how Columna 13, which was the, back in the time, was the most dangerous neighborhood in the world, now becomes such a vibrant, such a lively, uh, such a lovely and, and dynamic neighborhood. I just love every single, like, graffiti. I, I just love the atmosphere and the welcoming people and the lovely people in Medellin. And the government also, you know, built up the cable car system, the public transportation that help people can commute from the mountain to the city to build up the, rebuild the economy. So I just have like a fuel, like like a fire in myself that, you know, if people of Medellin, people of Colombia can rebuild their image, rebuild their country, rebuild their city, I can also do the same. I can also, you know, bring up Vietnam to be the startup nation to get just as much investment and produce as many innovative startups as other countries in, in the world, not even in Southeast Asia. So I just have that really strong like desire to move back to Vietnam and do what I love and kind of contribute to my home country. So yeah, that's my pivotal moment. Wow, I love it. 
I'm so fascinated by how stories biologically move and inspire us to dream bigger. And I think this is such a beautiful example. So Valerie, you decided to go back home to essentially help build your country. What are some of the trends you're paying close attention to in the Vietnamese and Southeast Asia market today? So if you look at South Asia, right now it's actually entering into the digital decade. The region is on its way towards 1 trillion GMB, if we look at digital economy, by 2030. So there's a, sh- a really strong shift in consumer and merchants, especially micro SMEs behavior. They are getting more and more familiar with doing things online. So really my main thesis is continuously the consumption of digital services will be stronger than ever. And especially after the pandemic started, that trend will even likely to continue for a longer time. And South Asia is is really changing ahead of the full steam, right? South Asia added 60 million new digital consumer to the internet economy since the pandemic started. So my interests are mostly in the consumer and micro, small, medium enterprises going to from offline to online. And my thesis, especially for Vietnam, is three pillars, the growth of e-commerce, logistics, and fintech. Fintech here is like a big umbrella, but I mean mainly digital payments, digital lendings, digital insurance, digital investment, and remittance. So I think those three pillars take up most of digital economy growth we will most likely see the most innovation coming from these three pillars. However, I'm also paying attention to, you know, disruption in traditional industries such as education, healthcare, travel. And I think another area that is quite interesting is the lack of uh, cryptocurrency and Web3 startups. Because interestingly, Vietnam and the Philippines are two countries that have uh, the highest adoption in cryptocurrency and like highest usage of MetaMask. I think, yeah, because the financial inclusion is, I think crypto somehow play an important role in providing financial inclusion to people in emerging markets. And, and, and that's why Vietnam and the Philippines see such a strong adoption. Yeah, so that's, you know, some of the areas that I'm paying close attention to. Similar to Alter Global, it sounds like Ventura's focus is backing founders, creating solutions for foundational problems that we find in emerging markets, you know, e-commerce, logistics, fintech. That's all part of creating the foundational layers necessary for future waves of innovation to emerge. Am I correct? Right, exactly. Yeah. Until you, you know, you have like a right infrastructure, then you can have the right foundation for other sectors to be on top of it. But uh, right now, the logistic, for example, logistic in Vietnam is still very rudimentary. And that's why we need so much more innovation for that sector. And I'm curious, what are some ideas that you have on how to help continue catalyzing the startup ecosystem in this part of the world? Right. So when we look at like a ecosystem, I think a diverse ecosystem is vital. Of course, timing matters as well, but we need more, you know, venture capital looking at this region, looking at South Asia, looking at Vietnam. We also need support from the government, 
Picking back to the story of the city of Medellin, how the government is building the public transportation. So I think here the government also play an important part, giving more sandbox and friendly regulation to startups so that big ideas can thrive. You know, that create the generation and kind of fuel the generation of innovators. So beside venture capital, beside government, I think the most important one is a talents. One of the reasons why there's much more activity going on and, and then more startups being born in Vietnam is because we have strong talents graduated from big tech companies such as like Shopee, such as Grab or like Uber or VNG, Zalopay that are now ready. Like after they learn the skill set of, you know, scaling up a tech technology startup, they are now ready to build up their own venture. I think we five years ago, we didn't have that because at that time, this like big tech was still a scrappy startup. So five years ago, this like Grab, Shopee or Gojek were still, you know, startups, small startups. And not a lot of students, you know, want to work for startups or want to work for venture capital even because for them, it's not like a sustainable or safe career path. And that's not something that would make their parents proud, right? But today, five years later, the environment is really different. I think we, we should get more talents from not only those who graduate from big tech companies, from those unicorn, but we also getting, we should get more talents coming back from overseas. So like those overseas Vietnamese or those who study abroad and decide to come back like me. So all of these like elements, we need that to catalyze the startup ecosystem in Vietnam and in South Asia. Yeah, oof, everything that you shared super interesting i think it requires a village to you know get a region to where startups are are fomented and and supported in a way that they can grow to to new levels yeah. and having the government is is definitely one of those not just venture capital but yeah having the support of all the different organizations that can be there to help entrepreneurs And I also think it's interesting that you pointed out, you know, how the next generation that is working right now with startups are all of those people that were working with big tech companies and really found that as like their education and are now using that knowledge to to bring startups and technology into Vietnam and Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, it does take a village. And I think we're just going through changing phase, right? We went through the first kind of infant stage of digital economy in Vietnam, and, and now we are like in in another phase. We get talents who graduated from these like tech companies now are ready to creating their own venture. So this is a perfect timing, and I would just love to see more and more talents. I think that's that in itself. If we get more talents, then other factors such as like venture capital investment government policy, those will follow. So I think human resource matter first. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm curious to know, what's one thing you would change about venture capital today? Yeah, so venture capital is obviously the industry and the career that I really love and passionate about, but it's not perfect. And I think the biggest thing that I 
want to change is representation of female. And female here mean both female in venture capital and female as like founders who receive venture capital money. I don't have the exact statistic in South Asia, but in the US, only 12% of decision makers uh, at VC firms are women. And most firms still don't have like a single female partners. And of all partners at this firm, only 2.4% are female founding partners who you know control uh, and who have investment decision in the firm. And that is why female founders only secured 2% of venture capital in the US last year in 2021. I think it's very alarming. This is the smallest share since 2016. And to changing this like male-dominated industry, I just see that it's still we, we still have a long way to go. Even though you know the deal flow, deal counts was rising this last year, but it's just not okay to see female founders only receive 2% of that. I think in South Asia, it's even less than that, even though I don't have the number. So my resolution for this year is actually invest in at least five female founders. I haven't shared this publicly, but I hope I can achieve this goal this year. Not on wood. Yeah. So I wish we have more women on the panel, like on the venture capital side, who get and who understand female founders' ideas. Well said. Well said, Valerie. Love it. What's one book that inspired you personally and one book that inspired you professionally? Yeah, so I will start with one book that inspired me personally first. And I think it's also kind of relate to my biggest life uh, decision so far is moving back to Vietnam. So I read the book Alchemist while I was traveling. Actually, a couple months before I traveled to Colombia. Reading the Alchemist book, I really feel that I should follow my passion and follow what my heart desire, which is moving back to Vietnam and build up my career there. And, you know, I, I will face with failures, but I just have to stick with my mission, stick with my life mission and to build my own legacy. So I think The Alchemist really inspired me the most, personally. Professionally, recently I was uh, given the book The Innovators by Walter R. Saxon in my birthday. And it's one of the books that I read recently that also inspired me a lot. You know, it really showcased how innovation really requires collaborations and it's not just individuals, right? If you want an innovation to be successful, you need a team, you need people who are able to link beauty to engineering, like human to technology, poetry to processor. Like it's, it's not gonna work if you only have the engineers. So you need a diverse sort of ecosystem to make innovation successful. Thank you, Valerie. What is one piece of advice that you have for entrepreneurs looking to start something in Southeast Asia? For specifically South Asia, I think don't take for granted that starting a business in South Asia is just like you know starting a venture in the US or elsewhere. The region has so much characters and so, so much diversity because every country speaks a different language. We also have like different customs as well. So study it really well. 
don't make assumption and don't presume that is it will be just as easy as doing things the same model elsewhere. So don't lose sight of what counts. You gotta do your your research on your customer, understand your customers, and let them rate your products. Right, let them kind of give your feedback on on your products and your ideas. Don't lose sight of like strategy. Don't lose sight of capabilities. You know, hire a, the right team. I think having local team it is a must because. As I mentioned, every country in Southeast Asia speak a different language. So to build up that competitive advantage when starting out in Southeast Asia, I think you should not kind of assume that just because you have a really stellar uh, resume, you're gonna be successful in Southeast Asia because past success does not what's coming in the future, and especially in Southeast Asia. Thank you, Valerie. That's. Very insightful for anybody looking to start something in Southeast Asia. I'm also curious to know, and to start concluding the the episode, what are a few things that you look for in the entrepreneurs that you invest in? I think the most important thing is focus. I have learned that you know that there's so many kind of noise in the market, like so many like oh this business model is hot, oh this uh, crypto thing is getting a lot of money, etc. But I think the best entrepreneurs stick to to their initial mission, and of course uh, iterate and work on the products after getting feedback from customers. But I think focus is still the the most crucial and underrated skill in any entrepreneur. Love it, awesome. And now, as my final question, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Right. So this. Advice is coming from my first mentor, from my first job ever, when I started out at Deloitte. So my first mentor told me, "Don't think that you are working for Deloitte or working for anybody else. When you go out there every day, you are representing your own brand. You are representing the company of Valerie. So own it and be entrepreneurial in in the sense of building your own image, your own achievement." Because this is your journey, so just don't think that you are working for Deloitte or anybody else. This is your own venture. So I still live by that advice even today. Wow, I love it. You are your own best project or venture or startup. Yes, I am. That you'll ever work on in your life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow, what a great place to end the episode. Valerie, thank you so much for your time. You know, I love always sharing with you. Every time we have a conversation, I'm just inspired by you and your your amazing travel spirit and sense of adventure. So thank you so much for for taking the time to share with us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you, Anna, for spending your time. And you know, I would love to have outer getting more involved with, with our ecosystem. It's amazing to have global firm like outer. Supporting the ecosystem here. 100%, Valerie. We're definitely looking into Southeast Asia a lot more this year, and specifically, you know, Indonesia, but also Vietnam and the Philippines. So, definitely expect us to to have more conversations with you and other organizations in all of Southeast Asia. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Venture Boldly. We'll be back soon, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. To learn more about our ventures or meet our team, you can visit our website at alter.bc. That's A-L-T-E-R dot B-C. We'll catch you next time on Venture Boldly, an Alter podcast.